0: Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth, International Edition, Dame la Verdad, Dime la Verité, as it's also known. Uh, Before we get into our our topic uh, today, which is uh, uh, talking a little bit more about the the global markets uh, for 2022, kind of building on our... Guide to the Markets that we publish every year, our 2022 Guide to the Markets. And if you haven't gotten the, the PDF copy of that, uh, feel free to go to our website, either at walknercondon.com or usxpatinvesting.com. Uh, but before we get to that, I'm sitting next to uh, a man with a coffee cup that says USMNT Stan. Uh, Stan Farmer on my right and and uh, Sil Michelin on my left. Stan, uh, we've addressed the second part of that. The first part of it: U.S. Men's National Team Soccer Team. Yes, they play El Salvador tonight. They do at six p.m. This is Thursday that we're recording this podcast, uh, uh, January twenty fifth, twenty sixth. It's the twenty seventh, buddy. Twenty seventh. <laughs> but, but it's the day where you are when you're listening to this podcast because it's really the information uh, is timeless. Um. U.S. El Salvador tonight on a scale of 1 to 10. How confident are you? And did you lose sleep last night?
1: You know, um, I woke up probably at 5, which is probably half an hour to an hour earlier than usual, depending on how mad at my snooze I am. But um, So, yeah, I did lose a little sleep. And I would be extremely confident just based on talent, but talent doesn't decide World Cup matches, as we know. The qualifiers are a battle. And since we drew El Salvador nil-nil last time, it'd be hard to be ultra confident. But uh, everything about this match and how qualifiers have gone since that initial World Cup qualification match in September would indicate that the U.S. should win this. I'm going to predict three to one.
0: And so your confidence one to ten is
1: seven? I'm a seven. Yeah. Very good. Very good.
0: We also have a a crossover guest, Syl, I guess from uh, you were on our Global uh, Guide to the Markets podcast uh, that focused more on U.S. markets, domestic markets. And one of the things that you guys talked a lot about um, and that we'll hopefully move away from, but it'll be hard to avoid for maybe reasons you can talk about is uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve and and interest rates.
2: Yeah, it's hard to not talk about it. And that's why I picked it as a topic is because it's probably the single most important factor affecting markets in the U.S. and globally is what is the Federal Reserve doing, uh, what's its policy, and how is it changing? And 2022 is going to be an interesting year because it is the beginning of a shift in U.S. monetary policy um, where, you know, we're moving in a direction where the Federal Reserve is tightening its monetary policy uh, after, you know, years of incredibly loose, easy money, market-friendly market. type policies, right? So th- it was really interesting for that
1: reason. I think you could th- say that that uh, the markets are in flux like Sill's microphone seems to be in flux right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, <laughs> related to that, it, you know, uh, for, for people who might be a little nervous about how things are coming into the year, um, you know, uh, um, what... What are, you know, why does this have the effect that it does on the markets, raising interest rates right now? Well, you know, the market is,
2: to a great extent, addicted, for lack of a better term, addicted to these easy money policies that have been in place for many, many years. And I apologize again if uh, my my voice is sounding a little strange. We have Dan here trying to fix it. Low interest rates are very positive for equity markets in general, um, in particular for you know more growth-oriented type stocks. And I wrote about it in um, the 2021 outlook. So, and you know, obviously, the S and P 500 and most of the main U.S. indices are now dominated by growth stocks, um, stocks that really benefit from that low interest rate environment and you know for the last 10 years the federal reserve has been able to keep its policy stance very very accommodative and market friendly because there was no risk to inflation right there was no real pressure on 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 prices and that has changed in 2021 and now it's in a position where it has to act there is no choice they cannot really delay it um and we've seen the market reaction to what's been really just hints of you know a tighter policy so far, and we are already seeing uh, a very significant shift in market performance. So, um, you know, and that's why I called the, uh, the 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 article "Impossible Choices" is because you you have this impos- impossible choice between being market friendly and and you know keeping that growth stock momentum going, so to speak, with Easy monetary policy and controlling inflation, right? So, two very conflicting objectives and uh, a difficult, difficult balance to find.
0: And, and you know, one thing I'll say is, you know, uh, we saw this a couple years ago. I, I think it was called a taper tantrum when uh, Powell and the Fed, you know, raised interest rates mm-hmm. a, a couple years ago. And this is, you know, this isn't, to my mind, any cause for panic. It's a natural response in terms of revaluing stock and earnings sure. growth. One of the things that uh, goes into one of the, the fundamental calculations for, for financial advisors and, and stock valuers, analysts and so on, is the idea of discounted future cash flows, right? Yeah. And the discount rate is the Fed 10 year treasury. And as that goes up, that's, you know, if I can get 4% in, in, a, uh, in a, a bond, a very safe U.S. government bond, I'm going to expect larger growth from the firms in order to value, you know, uh, accept that kind of uh, valuation going forward, you know, for a stock. And so um, if I'm only getting 1% from, from, you know, the, the bond, I'll accept, you know, 4% growth. Whereas if the bond is earning, you know, 4%, I'll only accept 7% growth. So it, it's really a, a recalibration in some sense as well of, of valuing the markets properly. Um, Stan, you were you were around in the the taper tantrum, but uh, uh, you know back then, and and we see it. a kind of you know it's one of those things as well, so a little bit where the U.S. Um, catches a cold and uh, or you know gets a gets a sneeze, and the rest of the world catches a cold. But uh, related to that, one of the things that we've seen as well, and and you know st- still mentioned it, inflation. Um, the rest of the world is also starting to see inflation. Um, you know the the EU, which um, you know, still express some surprise at uh, the UK is seeing some inflation. And so, you know, what, what, what does that mean? Big picture for, for investors, you know, this kind of global inflation that we're seeing?
1: Well, I mean, I I think that, uh, you know, first and foremost, let's re- remember, let's, let's go back to post great recession. And, uh, you know, the, the worries in Europe was always deflation, right? And, or disinflation or some kind of negative uh you know increase in 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 relative prices and how that was you know a stymie to economic growth and prosperity right so you know um all of the you know it, it, it's a mirror right you can whatever the the fed is doing is going to influence what the ecb does it's going to influence what the Japan central bank does. This was an influence, what the bank of England does. Um, because I, we, everything's interconnected now, right? Um, the, uh, the, the market for, um, you know, labor is global, right? We um, wouldn't have an expat podcast if there weren't people <laughs> moving around the world. Um, and sometimes that's for job opportunities. So, I mean, you know, it, it's it, it's all interconnected. And, um, you know, maybe inflation is not as bad in Europe as it is here, right? Just like maybe, you know, COVID's not as bad, you know, in certain countries in Europe as it is in Wisconsin, right? But, um, you know, um, do we have to worry about, you know, um, these things, when they break out in the United States, do we have to worry about the, th- this phenomenon elsewhere? Of course, right? And it's naturally going to flow. Um, as far as, you know, in my mind, um, you know, COVID created all kinds of dislocations of, of capital and, and, and disrupted supply chains and so on. So everybody um, who's anybody in the, the economics biz you know, predicted that 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 this could you know result in inflation. And anytime you have helicopter money coming out of the central banks and the governments with all the fiscal stimulus, um, you know, and, and in this country that meant you know direct checks to just about every family in the United States, right? You're, it's going to cause inflation, right? That money is going to find a home. Uh, we were drowning in liquidity, and um, now think about this as the Fed is taking some very moderate steps to reduce some of that liquidity before we entirely drown in that liquidity, right? And we get runaway or hyperinflation. So if you don't like inflation, it's not fair to say, well, I, you know, inflation's terrible, and then say, well, wait, why is the Fed doing this? They're, 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 you know, they're affecting my, my stock returns, right? Think of this as, as was alluded to before. We were on a we were on a liquidity reduction program uh, under um, this chairman back in 2019, and then COVID got in the way and disrupted that, and we had to be ultra accommodative again, right? Um, well, it's time to start, you know, turning the spigot and tightening up a little bit again because, you know, by and large, economically. You know, we're no longer in lockdown mode and COVID is still here, but we're learning how to live with it. And, um, and, and, and inflation has, you know, back then it was, you know, a cons- not really even a concern when we started the last tightening cycle before COVID, the COVID disruption. Now inflation is clearly here, right? Um, but don't think that, you know, think of the Fed as, as doing their best to make sure that that doesn't get out of control. So, in terms of y- your portfolio, think of this as a normalization period. Think of the incredible gains uh, that that bonds, you know, largely enjoyed throughout post Great Recession and for two decades before that. But that's you know a larger topic. Uh, think of the incredible gains. That the stock market has, you know, realized off of the COVID lows of March of 2020, and 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 realized that those gains had to be borrowing a little bit off of the gains that you get down the line, right? Um, and corrections are very normal, and you know, frankly, I think we could have gotten a pretty appreciable correction like we have here in January without the central bank whispering a word, right? Because it's just been kind of overdue um but i really see this as you know in 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 the bigger picture um this is what this is what central banks are supposed to do and um you know we we really have to take the long view of this and um maybe adjust how we're invested maybe pay some attention to the interest rate risk in our portfolios
0: well i think as well you know that was going to be my kind of follow-up question yeah um stand Stan, um, you know, people ask, okay, and, you know, or worry about inflation. And they say, well, well, you know, what are we doing about inflation? What are we doing about, about this? And, you know, um, do we need to make major changes because inflation is coming And One of the things that I always want to remind people is if we have longer term inflation, stocks are a longer term inflation hedge. Because remember, if I sell a Hershey bar for, for a dollar today and the price inflates, I'm going to sell it, you know, for a dollar five next year, mm-hmm. and that will be reflected on my on my balance sheet, and I'll make a little bit money, and you'll see it, you know, reflected in the stock price. But there are specific chunks of the portfolio as well as invested still that we have, you know, clients set up for that they can, you know, that there's some uh, sort of flexibility there. Um, I think of emerging markets, for instance.
2: Sure, and I think you give a great example of, you know. What, how stocks protect against inflation, right, is having that ability to pass on price increases, right? So you want to own companies that have the ability to raise the price of goods that they sell and pass on that cost to the customer instead of having their margin squeezed. So, you know, and that's why in an inflationary environment, value tends to do better, you know, we would move back into an environment where the quality of earnings matters again. Er, just earnings matter. Yeah, just <laughs> earnings themselves
0: <laughs> what? matter. They matter? You know, Companies qu- have to make money? What?
2: <laughs> exactly, right? So we kind of lost sight of that, but it might start to, to, to matter again. And, you know, also to Keith's point about, you know, what are we doing about inflation? I mean, it's important to keep in mind that the risk of inflation is really ingrained in every aspect of our investment thinking. So it's not like two years ago we were investing as if inflation was never going to be a factor again. A big part of why we invest our clients' capital the way we invest it is because we know that one of the great threats to investors over the long term is inflation, right? It's probably It's up there in
1: the pantheon of risk, right? And, and as you get older and you move into retirement, you know, um, you know, social security adjusts for inflation, but like your IRA doesn't automatically adjust for inflation. So we need to be growing that to keep up with inflation.
0: You can't, yeah, you can't, uh, you know, age 65, take your, your money out and, and sit there and, you know, with all of your cash and just spend it down because, that right, forty thousand today and in, in 30 years even with you know one and a half two percent inflation becomes eighty thousand dollars <laughs> right. a year you know um yeah but but you know specifically in the in the portfolio as well still um you know what uh what other you know beyond quality beyond you mm-hmm. know because we invest clients not just in growth stocks but also value um you know we've talked a little bit to um, in our portfolio meetings at, at how we can tax efficiently, you know, give a value tilt, yeah. but what are some other things in the, in the portfolio that, you know, uh, the reason I mentioned, uh, emerging markets is those are commodity dependent. Yeah. And we have a lot of clients who we've, we've put in kind of an alt sleeve sure. for that reason as well. Right. Sure. I think emerging markets, um, you know, and there's a lot of, there's different, stories
2: within emerging markets. And obviously a story that has dominated recently has been China, right? And so that has hurt emerging market as a whole. Um, but in general, I still think emerging markets are a good place to be, um, even in an, a higher inflation environment. Uh, you know, the way a lot of emerging markets make money is by, you know, borrowing dollars and selling commodities, right? So if you think about that positioning, um, yeah. They benefit from a weaker dollar and from higher prices in raw material and goods in general. Oh, absolutely. So there's something obvious there. They may not
1: drive Teslas in Latin America <laughs> as much. Right. Right. But Tesla's relying on lithium that is produced in mining in right. Latin America heavily. Right. Right.
2: And so, and Latin America is probably the best example. If you're trying to play a theme that generally is a weaker dollar and you know, when we talk about inflation, a lot of inflation is weaker currencies fundamentally, right? Right. Uh, so if you're trying to play that, that theme, uh, South America is an obvious fit in terms of being the countries that borrow dollars and just sell goods.
0: Well, and now we, we get into a, 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 another kind of topic here and we're running up against. But, you know, will the dollar weaken? Because what we've seen is is actually over the last, you know, couple little bit. Uh, the dollar strengthening. Um, the only place you know uh, we can look at the whole basket. I think of the the UK as the the one currency where maybe the, the dollar hasn't um, strengthened as much against, and that's because again we get so back banks. to central banks and right. who's raising interest rates. Mm-hmm. Well, if Powell and we see that tightening, you know the EU has said, well, we're not going to raise interest rates this year quite yet. Yeah. Um, the 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 US is you know announced you know probably in March we're going to start. Predictions have gone to, you know, where I would say if, you, if you're in a, in predictions, you know, the over-under is three and a half right now in interest rate hikes in the United States. Um, if the Eurozone doesn't raise interest rates, that leads then to a stronger dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is that? What, what, what might that mean? Uh, why might that help the rest of the world?
2: Well, I mean, you know, it, it depends what you value the dollar against, right? And it's true that there's been this race to the bottom in terms of central banks around the world, a race to you know, be as competitive as possible and therefore in some ways depreciate their currencies. So if you compare the dollar to the euro, it's strengthened. If you compare the dollar to oil, you know, it's not done so well.
1: Right. That's a good point. Um, you know, I'd, I'd also say, look, I mean, you know, it, the, everyone, every other central bank is eventually going to have to, you know, Follow the Fed's lead here. So, it, I wouldn't necessarily make a, a prediction that we're going to have a stronger dollar in twenty twenty two. I, uh, you know, you know, yeah, no, you, it's, you know, it's and not and a, look, it's not, it's nothing in terms of what currencies are going to do is something I safely want to go on a podcast record. <laughs> no, making no, 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 and, ultimate and, prediction. On. But,
0: but you know, and I, I think to to just return to that one thing I always tell my clients is if I could predict what the currencies are going to do in the short term, I I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be sitting on an island somewhere. Um, But, you know, I wanted to, you know, uh, uh, if inflation comes in, in the U.S. and it's greater than the rest of the world, that leads to a weaker dollar. But yeah. there also is a scenario that we could see where we have a stronger dollar in, in 2022. So wanted to talk about that. Um, I think as as this final con- con- uh, conversation kind of points out here, there's a lot more for us to talk about. Uh, yeah. Feel free to reach out to your advisors and and talk about this. It's kind of a you know very interesting time in the markets because there there are a lot of pressures as, as Sil you mentioned. So we're we're here to chat um, and hopefully this has provided a little bit of clarity about about what we're seeing and and going. Forward. So, uh, thanks again uh, for listening to Dime Dime la Verite Dame la Verdad. Uh, I'm gonna have to learn, you know, some other languages to add this in. Do Canadian?
1: Uh, Give me some truth, buddy. (laughs) I was successfully offended an entire country once again. You
2: wouldn't be. I'm just. I'm I'm sorry. I'm getting
1: ready for the USMNT (laughs) Saturday match against Canada. Canada. Yeah. Uh, So, uh, uh,
0: you know. Uh, No maple syrup this weekend for Stan's pancakes. (laughs) Uh, uh, Thanks for listening, and, and thanks for listening to Give Me Some Truth.
3: Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walker Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit